0: You are listening to The Thinking Effect Podcast with Orshul Green and Liliane Kriegler. Hi everyone and welcome to The Thinking Effect Podcast. And today, episode number 23 is all about how can teachers use mental imagery to enhance learning. And while Liliane is on our well-deserved break, I have a lovely, lovely guest with us. And it's Olive Hickmott. Hello, Olive. How are you?
1: Hello, I'm very well, and thank you for inviting me. It, this is—I really enjoy doing podcasts.
0: Oh, brilliant! It's our pleasure to have you as a guest. I know you have so much to contribute to educators around the globe, so I'm really pleased to have you here. Can we? Can you start by introducing yourself?
1: Yes, I am a health and learning coach, and I have been working in the field of education for the last. 22 years. Before that, I was a um, a corporate person, a software engineer, and a um, research and development director. So I was my 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 backstory, if you like, is always exploring why things are happening, and exploring what you can do to improve them. And I've done exactly the same thing on learning differences, exploring what they're all about, and find finding some strategies for helping people, particularly with dyslexia, but also with ADHD and autism.
0: This is wonderful, and we have similar journeys because I also started with computer science and software engineering, yes. and found my and found myself in education.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm not sure how we did it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is brilliant. Um, so. Let's start with talking a bit about what mental imagery is, because maybe not everyone is aware of what it is. I mean, I know it's it's a way of us to see with our minds to kind of um, represent things within our mind while we're not necessarily seeing that thing or hearing that thing. So can you elaborate on that?
1: Yes, yeah. Um, I'll give you a little bit backstory that I originally discovered this. I mean, I was dyslexic for 50 years and I went to a training course and as a little example in 10 minutes somebody showed us that people who have got good literacy look up and see words people who don't have good literacy look at the floor and feel embarrassed and I went this is ridiculous why didn't somebody tell me this and what's more I can't do it and so I went into my local special needs school and said can I practice with some of your kids, please? And they said, we've got hundreds who can't spell help yourself. So mental imagery. And so that was mental imagery for words. But then I realized that a lot of people are not even sure what mental imagery is for anything. And it's those pictures you hold in your mind. Um, We have, they're things we've seen before. So if you think what does your car look like? You should be able to get a mental image of it. Now, some people have glorious technicolor mental images. Some people just have black and white, and some people just know what their car looks like. But any of those will do. And depending on your experience in life, you may well have changed. And then we have imaginary pictures that you might want to make up This is especially good for small children who, for example, if you said to them, make up a new dinosaur, what does it look like? And they'll come up with something completely outrageous. So that's what mental imagery is about. Recalling things and creating things in your imagination. And there is two different things about it It is, um, as far as school is concerned, most schools think they teach visually. Well, they do because they show children pictures, but what they're not doing is discovering how children are learning, and that's about what p- pictures they're creating in their head. So, when you read a child a story, for example, are they making up pictures or a video of that story? So, when you ask them a question about it, can they remember anything? And that's a really fundamental thing. Um, and if you think about have you ever read a book, for example, and then you've gone and seen the film and the film's not right as far oh, as your Oh, absolutely,
0: absolutely. And then, <laughs> you know, it's really frustrating because I imagine such a beautiful thing in my mind and suddenly it's ruined the whole experience. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly
1: it because not two people aren't likely to make up exactly the same picture. Even if you look at a picture really closely, like a photograph, and then you try and remember it, some people remember one bit of the picture, and some people remember another bit of it. And it's extremely difficult to function in life without mental images. And all small children, um, as far as I can make out, and this is backed up by NASA research, have, are creative geniuses. So they have amazing mental images when they're really small. So, my attitude is as far as teachers are concerned, let's discover your, the mental images with the children have, and then let's use them for other things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that our ability to, uh, to mental imagery, to imagine things in our mind and bring it to life in our mind, is probably our fastest way to learn. And this is the natural way that children learn. And so we need to harness that natural way of learning within the classroom. So we help children learn better. And I know that today there are many research papers on mental imagery and they show a direct link between uh, mental imagery and, for example, like you mentioned before, Olive, uh, our memory, our ability to uh, think creatively or our ability to problem solve or make decision. So we know today that there is a direct link between mental imagery and many, many important skills in life.
1: Exactly. If you talk to somebody who's a great problem solver, for example, you can they and and you can ask them about how are they doing it. Eventually, they will actually come out with a statement that says, "Oh, I've got a picture of this here and a picture of that, and I put the picture together, and then I've got a picture of this." And but most people are doing it co- quite often subconsciously, so they don't even realise it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned before, I mean, there's also a direct link between developing your reading capabilities and reading uh, comprehension and mental imagery, because we know today that uh, children's ability to create images in their mind, to represent the text in their mind, help them develop their reading capabilities. And so um, we need to harness this and and probably you can share a few examples and ways as to how teachers can do so in their classroom, how they can use mental imagery to support their students' learning? Well,
1: the first thing I'd like to say is that notice whether people are using mental imagery. And as you're listening to Autel Green speak, you can actually see her eyes looking up at two pictures. And that is a really great giveaway, is that if you you see somebody looking up, then they're probably accessing their mental imagery. uh, we have mental imagery, I should point out, from six weeks old. Most most um, uh, nurses, when they check out a child at six weeks old, will say to mum, do they smile at you? And they smile at you because they have already lodged a picture in their head of what you look like. And if you suddenly came along wearing a pink curly wig, they'd probably cry. Mm-hmm. So we that wouldn't match the picture they've got. And by the time we get to um, getting into school, we've got thousands of pictures in our head. And so we're already doing a great job. And these skills are, are just so invaluable for everything. Like, as you say, Gautier, creativity, problem solving, innovation, um, creative thinking, visualizing, all of these things. And these kids have already got it. And the, the thing I quote from NASA is that that uh, several years ago they, did a, um, they, they were trying to recruit really creative people um, and they discovered that only 2% of the adult population were really creative. But after a bit of research, they found out that 98% of the small children were creative geniuses. So they started looking at what, why they lost it along the way. And the reason I think they lose it is they don't use it. You know, if you continuously use mental imagery in school, um, then people will actually keep that skill. The um, If you're gonna be an artist, then you probably keep it really well. But if you're gonna do something, something else, like bookkeeping or um, accountancy or something like that, you probably haven't, you're probably not developing it. So I would say always start really young and, Get people to talk about their mental images, um, even preschoolers. So, for parents who've got children before school, get them to talk about their mental images, and they'll—you'll be amazed at what they produce. Especially little kids. I mean, we we asked a class in um, in school um, individually what uh, when they think of an elephant, what do they see? And we had two-thirds of the class came out independently, funnily enough, with rainbow-coloured elephants doing ninja dancing. (laughs) This Uh, is so awesome. (laughs) And then then two came out with grey elephants with big ears because they wanted to get the answer right. (laughs) And then we had the kids who were really a bit hyper, who couldn't hold, hold still their elephants. They were continuously moving on and doing other things. So we know that they, you know, if you can start talking to kids. These were four year olds. You yeah. can definitely start talking to kids about their pictures really early. And like that, you'll encourage them to use them. And then yeah. when we come on to things like literacy, um, I, I was good. I'll give you the, the, um, the statement here for, pe- for the audience to digest. Good spellers see words in their mental imagery and that's how they are good at spelling and that's how they're good at reading and we are not telling anybody this Um, i discovered it as part of a training course and then i went into school and tried it out and lo and behold it worked so once you could get people to visualize words they could easily um, improve their literacy so Shall I talk
0: about how you do that? Yes, um, yes, please. Let's give uh, the listener practical ways as to how to implement this in their classrooms. Yeah.
1: So what you want to do is get them to come up with a picture of something they like, which might be a cat or it might be a dog or it might be Thomas the Tank Engine or it might be anything they like. And then you put on a, on a simple post-it. You can, if, if for example, um, if you... Th- tell if you think about Thomas the Tank Engine and you see an image of Thomas the Tank Engine, right, then you're probably looking up and seeing it. And what colour is it, by the way? Blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you then you then make a post-it of, of whatever the – let's do a, use a cat. So if, you, if I ask you to visualise a cat, what colour cat have you got? Ginger cat. Right, and, you, and the audience will have just seen you looking up and seeing a ginger cat. Right, so then what you do is you put a, on a post-it, C-A-T, and then you hold the post-it between their eyes and the object. And you, I can see where you're looking at the object. So you just put a post-it in the middle and say, that's how you spell cat. And when you, when I take it away, can you see cat written on the side of the cat? So that's all you're doing. And then you ask them to spell it forwards. You ask them to change the color of the letters and spell it in reverse order. And if you get, or if you always use object words to start with, they will find it much, much easier. One of the downsides of our national curriculum, I don't know if it's the same for you, is that we teach children high frequency words really early on. And that means that most of them aren't object words. But because of neuroscience, we know that. Um, We know where images are held in your head and we know where images of words are held and they're right next to each other. They're at the Mm -hmm. back here, just above the dent in your neck. And so if you can um, get them doing object words to start with, with words written on them, they will find it much, much easier. And that's how we teach it. And it works. And we can get children to to object words and non-object words in about an hour wow if if they've never visualized a word in their life some people are if you have a child that is reading much better than they are spelling then they have already filling up their word form area which is where you keep the words Um, they're already filling that up and they're for reading but they haven't thought of using it for spelling uh-huh. So that's a much quicker intervention of just getting them to, you know, that word you've just read. Just imagine you've still read. You've just read it. And now can you spell it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I can see I can see how much fun it it is going to be for children as well. When you read them a story and you ask them to imagine it in their minds. And then later you can ask them to share. So, um, what have they seen? How did that story came to life within their minds and yeah. share with the classroom. Uh, and that helps as well with developing that mental imagery and, uh, that habit of, you know, imagining it within our minds. And I know there are ways to use it also to support children's learning in math. Can you share a little bit about that, Olive?
1: Yes, I can. Um the i mean with with words you can carry on doing there is loads and loads of information that if you look on the website you'll find a lot of it um one thing i will just say is if you have any flashcards that you've got a picture and a word please put the word on the object because if you put the word underneath the object it means they've got to hold two pictures and it doesn't work as well so always have flashcards with words written on the objects and you can put them all around the house. And just see whether they um, see whether they start picking up on being able to read words. With maths, I have a maths degree. And I can assure you, I could not have got it without um, visualising numbers. It would not have been possible. I'd visualised numbers all my life and never thought of visualising a word. And the same thing is true with maths. So going back to real primary maths, there's three things you need. There's what the... Um, if, if you 're doing the number five, you need to be able to imagine the number five on a dice, for example, you need the word five and you need the uh the um, the written five all three things now all of those three things can be done visually, especially yeah. what the dice looks like. Everybody should know what dice looks like in their mind's eye, which will make which will make doing things like adding up so much easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you
1: can move on to things like times tables. So I'll give the audience the way of doing times tables. Just imagine, for example, for a minute, that a a triangle in your mind's eye. And put the numbers at the bottom, which is 4 and 6, and 24 at the top. Now that means 4 times 6 is 24. Also six times four is 24 so you've only got to do half of them anyway and as an extra bonus you've got 24 divided by six is four and 24 divided by four is
0: six. Oh, this is brilliant you're getting so much out of just one single thing <laughs> yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> exactly the um the, and as you go on through maths there is loads of things in maths that you can visualize for example um if you want to imagine half of something, then get a pie or a pizza and cut it in half and show the charge you've got two halves of the pizza. All yes. visual cues. Yeah. yeah, And you can go on and use it for so many things. Um, you probably know about mind maps um, yes. that children use when they're trying to revise. Well, they can take a picture of the mind map in their mind and go into the exam with it. It's called creative cheating they can they can go into the exam recall the mind map
0: and write it down yeah this is brilliant I love mind mapping it's it's a great tool yeah. yeah wow that's wonderful so many ways to use mental imagery in the classroom to support students learning this is fabulous um, Let's just go over everything we discussed. There's a lot to digest. We went yeah, through exactly. a lot of things in this episode, which are all wonderful. So let's just go through them. So what is it? Mental imagery basically is what we can, um, the pictures we imagine with our mind. Basically, uh, it's seen with our mind's eye. And yeah. mental imagery is an aid for learning and is an excellent aid for learning. Ex- it, I should
1: a word of warning the children's mental images might be better than yours.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to be <laughs> <laughs>
1: because and, and whenever a child says, well, my 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 um elephant looks like is rainbow colors with doing ninja dancing, I go that's absolutely fine. That's your picture. <laughs> it doesn't have to be my picture as well. But you get quite a few adults who aren't tone so visual who find it really difficult to understand that Kids can really do this, and yeah. the, the answer yeah. is
0: yes. But you know Hopefully. what? Since I came across Elmer the elephant, now my images of elephant are all very colourful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a brilliant one. I'd forgotten
0: about Elmer. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, wonderful books. So, uh, and why mental imagery is so important? So, there are many research today is that. Um, show a direct link between our ability to um, come up with mental images to our different skills like problem solving, creative thinking, our memory, um, and, and making decision and so many different tasks and skill. And also with reading, there is a direct link between our reading capabilities and our ability to represent text in our mind in images. And how, I how just, I, yeah. can, can I just add in there yeah.
1: that that list of what I would call 21st century natural skills are is absolutely common in small children. Um, the question is maintaining it, and also um, it's also extremely common in neurodivergent children. Um, but they, the, the, when they get into school, you know, when you're coming, when you're asked a question, and you come up with. A rainbow colored elephant doing ninja dancing, the whole class will probably burst into laughter. And that that's a creative solution, but it might not be what the teacher expected.
0: But that's the beauty of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I love children's creative thinking. They have many of them still don't have boundaries on their thinking. And so yeah. they're so imaginative and creative. It's just wonderful. And I encourage teachers to um Let children imagine without boundaries, uh, develop uh, this skill. It's a beautiful skill and it's such an important skill for life. I'll tell you a little
1: story about a learning assistant who raced up to me in school one day and said, I've got to tell you about this. She said on the SATS paper, there was a question that said, what do you find on a desert island? She said, I knew if I asked the child, it would be sea and sand, full stop. She said, (laughs) said, I asked the child to shut their eyes. Jump onto a desert island and then just tell me what they saw. And she had a list of about 30 different things that they'd found on this desert island. All about using your imagination rather than just using your, what's the answer to this?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. This is a beautiful story. And it shows just how powerful it is to just imagine, just, you know, take ourselves to that place and imagine what, how it's going to be like. This is yep. amazing. I love it. And so there are many different ways to go about it in the classroom. And it's very easy, actually, to incorporate that in your day-to-day teaching. Uh, like we mentioned, when you're reading text, reading stories, encourage the, your student to create a mental imagery, to imagine that story in their mind. And then they, later on, they can share with their classmates what they imagined, what they saw. Or when you teach them words, um, or different objects, for example, Encourage them to imagine it um, and in math, as you mentioned, Olive, you can teach them um, timetable using mental imagery, and that will help them to keep that in their memory. Uh, as we know, it is linked, right? When you create that mental imagery, it helps you remember that. And you remember it much better than if you don't do that exercise.
1: Exactly. And there is so much that you could, if you think about it, that you can start learning visually. There is more and more things that, that you can add to the list. Um, at different uh, stages. There is some for, there is some books, for example, Dorian Kinsley books, which were very, very visual. And when you look at the digestive system with a very, very visual picture, with a few speech bubbles sticking out from what actually happens, you there you go, you're learning biology. You know, yeah. And you're learning it visually, and that sticks in your mind a lot better than just
0: the words. Absolutely. And it's uh, our natural way of learning. It's the, actually the fastest way of learning. And so by using uh, mental imagery, um, harness it, harnessing the, the power of it uh, in your teaching, you actually help your students learn so much better. Um, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so that's a wonderful way, a uh, wonderful thing to in- incorporate into teaching. And so um, I want to thank you, Olive, so much for coming here today and sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience with everyone. And I'm going to share in the episode description ways to get in touch with Olive and explore further mental imagery and how you can learn more about it. um, So you can um, do it within your classroom with your students. And I encourage you to write to us uh, to the thinking effect podcast at gmail.com. Try it with your students and let us know how the experience was. How was it for you? How did your students react? Um, how did you find using mental imagery as part of your teaching? So, thank you again, Olive, for spending this time with us and sharing your knowledge with educators from across the globe. I really appreciate your time. Just remember, mental imagery is fun. It is. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Don't be totally serious about it. The more fun you have, the more success you'll have.
0: Absolutely. All right. See you next time.
1: Thank you very much. Bye.